Don't you want clean hands? You want clean hearts? Amen. We want to give our heart only to Him, belong to Him. Father, we love you. We thank you for your blessings today. Ask Him for your grace now upon our service. You and anoint our hearts to believe, Lord. You know every need. I pray, God, that you will supply it. Bring healing, deliverance, salvation. Ever need supply, we pray. It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And thank you for coming together again this evening. We appreciate the Lord and his goodness to us. Amen. It's always good to come to communion service, isn't it? Amen. We're looking forward to the Lord just coming by and speaking to us. I'm going to tell you a little something. If you're watching on the internet, well, you can get this from Amazon.com. But I bought one of these books. They're about $10 a piece. It's written by Jesse Smith. It's called Restoring Christian Modesty, God's Perfect Will for Your Outward Appearance. I bought one per family. I want you to take it. I want you to um, use it for devotions, um, for your uh, devotions in the evening or morning whenever you have it. I want you to go over the scripture references that in there with you, with it in the, with your family. They this list uh, scriptural references, everything. Jesse Smith is a message pastor from um, Ohio. Pastor's a little church there. I, I don't know him very well, but he sent me the copy of his book, and he said I'd like you to review it, Brother Tim. And so I received it in the mail and. You know, sometimes you don't know where another person's coming from, but um, as, he, as I went through this book, I found that it was scriptural. I found that it was not based on legalism, but based on the Word of God. And so that's why that I want you as, as a family to read it together in the scriptures. I think it'll be a blessing to you and your family. Now, if I don't have, I bought 60 copies but I'm, I've got another 15 coming this week, so if you miss out getting one, or maybe you're just a single older person and you would like to have one, if you could wait till Wednesday to get yours, it'd be fine. But anyway, um, nevertheless, um, I, I tried to get one for every family. Where well, you can see, now this is the point, where well, you can see that what we preach, even on modesty, is not just legalism or some man's idea, but it comes from the Word of God. Remember, that's where our faith must rest, is on the Word of God. And you'll see, Brother Branham didn't get this from his own opinion. That's just his opinion. No, his opinion came from the Word of God. Amen. And so that's why I want you to, to read it. And, um, and so, um, so you can... You got one of these, Brother Joe? Not yet. Well, you, this is yours. Personal copy for you to have for your family. Amen. Y'all can have family devotion. Read that and enjoy the Word of God. And I believe it will be a great experience for you. Amen. Now, let's turn to Exodus chapter 12 and verse 7. I knew you was going back there, Brother Tim. Yeah. You know, today I, as I was preaching you know, we're, we're preaching a razor's edge. You understand that, don't you? 
This is a razor's edge we have to walk down because you can get in fanaticism or you can get over into intellectualism. And both of them are a ditch. A ditch is a ditch no matter if you're on the right or the left. We got to walk the middle of the road. Amen. So, you know, um, it was just really wonderful. The, the other day, Brother Timothy was ministering. Uh, there was a young, oh, I say young, someone from India um, who, who got on Facebook um, live where they were, were, were streaming. And, and, uh, and he had been waking up by his father to check on the status of a train for it's part of the transportation system there. And said he had went to bed late, and it was 7 o'clock in the morning there. And he hadn't watched one of our services except two weeks ago he watched um, um, one of our meetings that we, uh, um, uh, one of our, our roundtable discussion meetings, and he had watched that a couple of weeks ago. So he wasn't thinking about it, but he was woke up from a dream. And the dream was that fire had broke out at Evening Light Tabernacle. And he got online there while he was there checking for the train and went on there and watched the service and said, sure enough, fire had broke out. Had he been like Tabernacle. <laughs> All over the world, God's spirit is moving, just like the prophet said it would be. Amen. He said there was some fire got up in the rafters there. He said, Brother Tim took a hose and put it out. And he said, then he said that they, they went on continuing rejoicing. So you see, sometimes to put out a little wildfire doesn't stop the rejoicing. Amen. I don't want fire in the rafters. I want fire in the pew and fire in the pulpit. That's where we want to fire. Amen. God bless you. But I'd rather have wildfire than no fire. Amen. But we want the real fire. Amen. It's a razor edge that we walk down, but let's walk that razor's edge. Now, they tell me the only thing, the only animal that can walk a razor's edge is a tapeworm. How many tapeworms we got here? <laughs> Listening to those tapes? Amen. Well, we're going to walk a razor's edge. Amen. Pulling from the right and the left is the highway to heaven. Amen. It's the way. Exodus chapter 12, verse 7, And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts, and on the upper doorposts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh, and that night roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head, with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, but that which remaineth of it until the morning, ye shall burn with fire. Then turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump. Now remember, the other day, that's where our Bible opened to, just as it did with Brother Branham while we were standing right here. Purge out therefore the old leaven. God's speaking to us now. This is very, very important. That you may be a new lump. I mean, wants to be a new lump. Yeah. See, God's requiring something new of people who's went back to a new beginning. And he says, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, 
Notice who our Passover is, is Christ. He's our lamb. His sacrifice for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Now, we got a responsibility ourselves. Keeping the feast. Not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to be speaking tonight again in Passover, the communion. This was the birth of a nation by an exodus. And of course, ours is the birth into a rapture. That is our exodus. And this nation, of course, of Israel would become the bride of Jehovah through which would come the Messiah to the earth. And once again, we are a people called to be the virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. The Passover was not just a saving from death, but it was a birth into a new life. So we want to think of that as the Passover being our new birth and then our continual walk with God afterwards. This birth would begin as a new life of grace and fellowship with God and was to be renewed perpetually forever. This Passover was not a one-time event, but it was to be kept forever. It would be the feast of the Passover before the departure from uh, Egypt, and then afterwards, um, there would be seven days of unleavened bread. And this is a time of Passover, and you must have the presence of the Lord in your dwelling. That's the church, in your home, in your body. And we are in Passover and will not leave it until we are called out of this dimension into the great exodus ahead when the trumpet sounds. Now, the Lord's ministry, we know, ended with a Passover, right? And then, of course, it was, it transferred into the whole seven days observant of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which began with this meal. And this Passover must continue until he comes. Because he said, you shall show the Lord's death till he comes. So, again, uh, that's 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. As often as you drink, eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. So, communion, the literal bread and wine is not the real communion. It's a symbolic reminder of the true communion that you are to be in constant fellowship with Christ, drawing strength from the substance of his body, the word, until he comes. You are to show that the Lord died for you and that you have received his life until he comes. Right. Now, as I said, the, the Lord's ministry ended with the Passover. This was the last thing that he would do before the cross. And, of course, uh, Gethsemane and then the cross, which he died more death at Gethsemane, the prophet said, than he did on the cross. So, you know, and then lastly, it would transfer into the whole seven days observance of this unleavened bread which began with this meal for this um, seven days after the Passover was to be the days of unleavened bread. And these 
these seven days of unleavened bread that would happen after the crucifixion or the death of the Paschal Lamb, that it typed the seven church ages that followed the sacrifice of Christ, our Passover, and we are in the last church age where the bread must be unleavened. Remember, Brother Branham told us this in God's Only Provided Place of Worship, Modern Events. I'll just share a few little quotes. We're going to go try to be as a hurry as we can. But he seven days, he said, what does it typify? The complete seven church ages, seven days. Why? They'd have to eat it seven days before what? Before going out. And the whole church age from beginning to the end has to live only on the word of God of that age. Then again, in modern events, he said, speaking last night, I was speaking about the sacrifice that was offered, the lamb. It was to be seven days representing the seven church ages. There was to be no leaven found amongst the people, no leaven for seven days. That means there's nothing mixed with it. It's unleavened constantly. And we don't want no creeds and leavens and things mixed with us. We don't want the world mixed with us. It's got to be the unleavened bread of God, the word of God, the unadulterated word of God, which man shall live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So here we are in the seventh church age where it is required that we have unleavened bread. Now you say, well, we're out of the seventh church age. Well, then I suppose you can have leaven then. But for us... Amen. We, we believe we've received the seventh angel's message and that we are the bride of the seventh age and that we have received the unleavened bread, the word of this hour, because for seven days, for seven church ages, there is to be the unleavened bread served. But, you know, again, that's perhaps why some can read between the lines and add anything to puff up and expand the simple message that was without leaven. If Brother Branham thought we were and believed that we were beyond the, the seven church ages, why would he make this parallel? You see, this type no longer works for those who's in another age, an eighth age, or some bright age that's beyond the seventh. They can eat leaven now because the seven days of unleavened bread are over. But for us, we are still unleavened bread eaters. Amen. Now, in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 11, and thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Now, I want to get this, this little phrase, the Lord's Passover. Now, the, the divine instructions on all what to do, it ends with these words, comes to close with this word. This, this is to Jehovah. You see, it's described um, by the Jews as a Pesach, which is a biblically arrived Jewish holidays because they have some that aren't biblical. But it's one appointed by Jehovah and to be kept for him. You see, it's called a Sabbath to Jehovah, a, a feast to Jehovah. So I want you to understand that when we are in Passover, we are in a feast with Jehovah God. So take the blood, the Holy Ghost, and apply it in those three places on both sides of the doorposts and the lintel. It's not to be sprinkled on the, on the threshold 
which cautions us to take heed of trampling that blood underneath our foot, the blood of the covenant. It is a precious blood, and it must be precious to us. The blood of Christ, the Holy Ghost, is the believer's protection. Amen. It's the protection from the wrath of God, the curse of the law, and the damnation of hell. That blood is our protection tonight. But more than this, more than just receiving the initial infilling of the Holy Ghost by putting blood on the body, spirit, and soul, this is entered into a communion, a fellowship with Jehovah. Understand this now. This is what it is. It is entering into a fellowship. Every newborn Christian enters into Passover. Every time that there is a, a new church, a new movement rises up, moved of God as the bride age here is in this last Laodicean age where God sends a message by a prophet of God. What does it do? It enters into us into a Passover time. It enters into a continuous Passover where you will be eating on him, partaking of his life, the substance of his being, being within you. Now, remember, we learned this morning, you stay in the house and you don't leave. You eat on the lamb under the protection of the blood until you're called out for the rapture. This must be eaten in a state of preparedness. You must be ready to go. Do you see this is more than just an initial a sprinkling of blood at the altar where, where you just go on about life as if nothing happened. Paul says you show the Lord's death till he comes. You are here eating of the lamb till he comes. You're partaking of unleavened bread till he comes. Amen. And then, of course, you know, people want to, you know, people today, though, they want to be one and done. Oh, just, just let me get the Holy Ghost. Let me, let me feel God come down on me. Hallelujah. I got it there. You know, that settles it. I struck the blood on the doorpost and then afterwards go out of the house and go about life as if they don't need to stay under the blood, feasting on their lamb with their loins girt about and ready to go. You see, you've got to be ready to go when you hear the summons. Because we're about to hear the trumpet sound. Can I tell you, we have been, listen now, I, I just went back in Brother Branham's time. Remember the shout. There's a shout, the voice, and the trump. Brother Branham talked about 33 years of ministry. That would end in 1966 as he, as he dies there right at the end of, uh, from 33 to, to, to from 1933 to 1966, 33 years of ministry. But now we have been in the second phase for over 50 years. It's time that we move from the voice to the trumpet. And I want to say that what sounds we've been hearing is that we are hearing the sound of the blending from the voice to the trumpet. We're about to move into another phase where there's going to be a resurrection. Friends, it's not always just going to continue on like it's been. Amen. We're coming right down to the end time. It's been prophesied. 
Amen. And we, we know it is true. Listen, listen, in the last few days, there's been swarms, swarm, swarmageddon, they call it, in California of one earthquake after another, after another, after another, rocking that place. Amen. You know, maybe some people are just now waking up and wanting to go find the oil, but I tell you, it's time you get in with all of your heart. Amen, because we don't know what hour it's going to be when God will say, that's it. That's the last one. It's finished up. There is no more time. You can't sit just relaxed and not desperate, eating the lamb with leaven in your, in, in your bread, pretending everything's all right. I want you to listen to Brother Branham talking about the angels. And I don't know how you feel but I want the angel of the Lord to be present in this place. I don't want him just present here. I want him in my home. I don't want him just in my home. I want him in my life. Amen. How many feels that way? He talks about Zechariah, how that God had answered his prayer. And he said, see what kind of a home an angel comes to. A home that keeps the commandments of God. A home that walks upright with God. If you want the honor of an angel visiting your home, have a home ready for him to visit, prepared and under the blood of the Lamb. And the angels of the Lord come to such places. Hallelujah. You want him to come? Then we got to prepare our hearts. We got to prepare our church. We got to prepare our homes where the angel comes. You're in Passover. I just want to ask you, is the leaven out of the house? Amen. You know, we're, I told you we're in the hour of Ananias and Sapphira. I can remember, I can remember back in 19, in the 1980s when I finally got all the message on print and it revolutionized my life because I had bits and snips and snippets and parts and whatever, but it brought, it brought a new dimension to my understanding, greater revelation. I understood what the message was about because I could listen to it and read it in chronological order and just, instead of just sporadically from one year to the other, and I, and I began to understand what God was doing in this hour. But I come to the last service, communion. Isn't it amazing that as the Lord's ministry ended back there in, in, with, with communion, even so this prophet's ministry would end with communion? Comes down to the last message. And Brother Bradham says, I believe the days of Ananias and Sapphira are, are coming here again. Amen. We're going to see the power of God come back into the church. This is where that a church is going to be a clean church. And if you ain't a clean church, the devil will call you out. Amen. That's exactly right. If you don't have a clean home, the devil will, will, will call you out. You'll be powerless to cast him out of your home out of your family, out of your loved ones because of leaven that's in your life. Remember this, the mamba that Brother Branham talked about, that, that snake of death, it can only be bound with, with him coming to a more sincerity. And this hour requires a greater sincerity than any hour before. Amen. Amen. In the resurrection message, Brother Branham says, 
he said uh, about Zacharias and Elizabeth, said they were great renowned believers, Christians as to call. And that's the kind of home that an angel can get to. And you know, I think today the reason we don't want, we don't have no more angelic visitations than we do, we who call ourselves Christians, play cards half the night, read old true story magazines, have beer in the icebox, and that's the reason angels don't visit us. You can't mix oil in water. How many of you want the angel to visit? There's one great angel I want. That's called the Holy Ghost. And I want him to dwell there, not just visit. Is that right? Amen. There, Zacharias could have a visitation, but you can have a dwelling. God can dwell with you. Amen. Not just come and go, but the Holy Ghost can abide forever. If you want angels to appear to you, keep your mind on God and off the things of the world. Go about your business. Go to your church. Go to your washing. Wherever you are, keep your mind on him all day and all night long. Then God will do something. You're drawing close to him. You've got the world shut off, just you and he together. Amen. Now, it's this kind of atmosphere that you must have in this Passover, in your life, in your home, and in your church. One that Jesus is always welcome, and not only welcome, but present. Are you with me? Now, you know, again, remember, as we said, brother, we've already been down to it. We've seen even in youth camp. You know, young men get possessed by devils. Young women get possessed by devils by, by the gate of the eye looking at the wrong thing, pornography. We've seen devils entered into people because they've read old truths, old, old uh, love story books. Got, them, uh, got, got things going on in their mind and, 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 and there a, a devil take a hold of them that would speak right out and even challenge and resist stand against and I'll just tell you it makes more to me when I realize that Jesus said about those that that spirit that had that little boy bound with that spirit that would throw him into the fire and throw him and throw him around into the water and try to destroy his life a suicidal spirit that was upon this kid and Jesus said this kind comes not out without prayer and fasting what does that mean? That means a more sincerity. It don't mean a week of fasting. It means more sincerity, more dedication. And these kind will only come out when we got dedicated Christians, consecrated lives. Now, Brother Bradham said in Mary's belief, he said, you know, it's usually when we're thinking about God keeping our minds on God, that God comes close to us. Oh, my. Then we need to change our thinking. Go to thinking about Jesus. Amen. Thinking about ever Try to strive to keep that atmosphere of Christ around you by eating the lamb, the unleavened bread, all leaven gone and under the blood. Amen. As Brother Brandon said, apply it. Here's what you want to believe for. You want to believe for your own safety. You believe for your safety and then apply it 
for the entire family. See, how can I do that? Claim it. Start, it's time you start claiming your family. Amen. Standing there on the promise, I claim them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, if it worked for you, and then you and the Word becomes one, amen. If it worked for both of you, you and the Word are one, then apply it to your children and apply it to your loved ones. He gives the example of Rahab. She applied the token to her father, her mother, her brothers, her sisters. She got them all in. And he said, you apply it saying, Lord, I'm going after my son. I'm going after my daughter. I claim her. Satan, you turn her loose. I'm coming after her. Where is there a desperate soul today that realizes what's going to happen if they're left behind? Amen. Where is there people there that would say, oh, Holy Spirit, that lives within me. Catch my daughter there. I'm going to her now. You're anointing upon me. That's what they did in Egypt. That's what they did in Jericho. That's what they did in the book of Acts. Paul said, you believe on the messenger of the hour, then believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou and thy house shall be saved. Believe for your house. Bring them all under. Amen. Now, you've seen God of heaven perform miracles. It's before judgment. You believe it. You see, the miracles that we are seeing is happening before judgment. God never sends a judgment without warning first. Amen. He said, rise and be baptized. And Paul took him out and baptized him. And then he told him, said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou and thy house shall be saved. How many wants to claim that? Thou and thy house. I ain't satisfied just to go in the rapture alone. I want my wife with me. I ain't satisfied for me and mama just to go. I want my children with me. I ain't satisfied to have my children. I want all my son-in-law and my daughter-in-law to go too. I ain't just satisfied to have them. I want my grandchildren going on. Amen. I'm not just satisfied there. I want you and 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 you. I don't want to leave a hook behind. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for your house. Apply the token to your house. How are we going to do that? Uh, then what do you do when you apply to your house? You move all the trash out. This is leaven. Amen. Get all the short skirts. Come on now. A lot of you got leaven in your home. I see it. I mean, the dress won't even cover your knee when you're standing or sitting. Amen. You got in the shorts. We're seeing them come on the boys, the cards, the, the cigarettes, the television, and whatever more. Now, I know, I know, I know automatically people go in their minds and say, well, Brother Tim, he ain't never did like television. He don't like movies and he don't like that. I'll tell you, there's a good reason I don't like them because God don't like them. And if you don't believe that, Brother Branham said, God told me not to have one. So God don't like them. Somebody help me. Amen. Listen, let me tell you, friends, why in the world do you want the vision of hell brought in your home? And television is a mild thing to what's happening now. That's baby stuff. But yet in 1958, Brother Branham said to have a television and feed on that and feed on those ungodly movies and every one of them. Hey, what he called ungodly was, it was things today you call kosher and clean because sin has a way of graduating. 
moving in. And Brother Brandon said it's committing adultery on Christ. And Christ ain't taking no adulterer in the rapture. You can make excuses all you want to. But I'll tell you what, you can make excuses. I only have it for sports. Or I only have it for this. Or I only have it to watch the news. Or I only have it for this reason. But when it comes down to driving out the death angel, you'll find yourself powerless. When you go apply the token, kick him out the door. Won't stand still for it. Take it all out. The dances, the parties, the rock and roll, the old vulgar newspapers, the stuff that's out of, out of, the, that's out of the world. Kick it out the door and say, we're cleaning this place up around here. I think it's time for a real house cleaning. Amen. Well, we clean sin out and unbelief out. It was like when, when Joshua was going in the promised land, he said, you know, wash your clothes. You know, don't come near your wives. You know, three days we're crossing over Jordan. He was getting ready, applying the token. And Brother Brandon said, uh, get ready, apply, believe it, clean up, let your children, let your family, let your loved ones see it in you. Amen. Let them see your consecration. Let them see that dedication. Amen. Apply the token in prayer with consideration. Apply it with, with believing, with such love, and so forth, till you know it's going to take place. That's all. Apply it in a confidence. Believing it's going to help. When you talk to that child, when you talk to your husband, when you talk to your wife, you talk to this loved one, you believe it's going to help. Just stand there and say, Lord, I claim them. They're mine. I'm getting there for you, Lord. Amen. And apply it. Listen now, not in legalism, but by creating an atmosphere around you that they'll just drop right down and do it. You see, you, you are, if you got that token, you create that spirit around you, a power that when you walk, people know you're a Christian. They love for you to say something to them. They believe your word. What you say, they hold on to it. Amen. He said, claim your household. You must do it. This is the evening time. You've been listening a long time. And I want to say, we've been listening a long time. We've been listening a message over and over and over again. At least we should have been. Now is the evening time. And it's applying time now. Apply it with confidence. Remember, Brother Branham saw it is a mamba snake. He said, if you can bind this one, you can bind everything underneath him. And that's what we want. You can bind this one, everyone else underneath will have to fall. Are you with me? Say, so well, that mamba, he's, he, he's after my son so hard. Remember, Brother Brandon saw him after one of the, one of the brothers, and he was just a, a jump ahead and, and running, screaming, dodging, everything else. And he said, God have mercy. He said, but you've been given the power to bind him. Amen. But the power to bind him comes with more sincerity, more consecration. Well, you say, he's after my son so hard. He's after my daughter so hard. Maybe it's your wife or your husband. Maybe they're only a leap ahead of that mamba tonight. Remember the father bringing his child to the disciples who was throwing fits, often throwing them into the fire. 
and was told this kind don't come out without prayer and fasting. In other words, it's going to require a greater consecration. Question and answers. Brother Branham was talking about his own son had a lying spirit on him. Sometimes, you know, we got different ideas. Sometimes you meet with things in your home, and maybe it's with your wife or with your children or, or maybe with your husband. You want to just respond to it in anger, wrath. You know, you hate that thing, and maybe it's a lying spirit, and you hate that liar or that lying spirit. Maybe it's rebellion, and you hate that rebellion. And it, just, it just goes all over you. It does me, I'll tell you. When I see it, it goes all over me. It does. Amen. It does. It goes all over me. And Brother Bradham said, there's only one remedy for it. And he said, the gun stick ain't my idea. He said, the ramrod that we used to give a beating with, he said, when we got in trouble, the old hickory stick, you know, the muzzle loaders, that's, that isn't the idea. But prayer, cast that evil devil away from that child. It can do it. Amen. That's right. Prayer is done. And Martha just stomping her little foot, running out and turning her little nose up. You could beat her till she didn't have clothes on her, but she'd do it anyhow. But you just lay before God and claim that child's soul for God. And just stay right there. He said, I believe it's the best thing I know of. Yes, sir, the best remedy I know of is prayer. Amen. Call down God and bring an atmosphere of the Holy Ghost into your home, into your life. Amen. You know, you know, little Becky was two years old, Rebecca Branham. Brother Branham said the child cried day and night, day and night, day and night. Well, I imagine she got a many a spanking for it. But, you know, he said, I, I'd, after preaching, I'd have to, you know, in meetings, I'd have to put her on my shoulder and walk up and down the streets for hours trying to get this child to be quiet. So finally, one day, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, it's an evil spirit attacking that child to get at your ministry. And he said, I took that little child out into the field and knelt down with her in the field. I don't know why the field, but he went out in the field and knelt down with her and had prayer with her and said, she's the quietest child of God. What was it? Prayer did it. Did you hear me? Prayer did it. You see, it isn't a fist, and it isn't legalism, and it isn't, it isn't a big bunch of switches. It's an atmosphere. Amen. It's where that God comes down, and, and the love of God just so pays down in, in your heart and your soul, and it changes the atmosphere. They're not walking on pins and needles because they're afraid they're going to make Daddy mad. Everybody's just so in love with Jesus, they don't want to offend him. Amen. I can hear some of you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pray for them all right, and I'll cast that devil out of that girl. Oh, yeah. You ain't going to cast nothing out with a bad attitude. In fact, there'll be a devil get on you be, be, and be manifest through your own anger and your little tipper fit while you have a holy, righteous moment. 
but it won't work. Brother Branham talked about this. He said there was a young Pentecostal boy came. He'd, been, he'd seen too many meetings. He'd seen a lot of devils cast out, no doubt. Said his wife was a Lutheran, a staunch Lutheran. He come in from church late one night and said, well, I guess you, you, you guys got down there and went down and shouted all night tonight. I guess you were speaking in tongues and doing all this. Oh, brother, it just rose up in him and he just laid hands on her and said, God, I cast this devil out of this woman now in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, they just about had a divorce case. He come to Brother Bradham and said, we're going to have a divorce, I guess, that I can't get the devil out of her. And Brother Bradham said, you're going at it the wrong way. Hello, somebody. Don't hang up on me yet. Hey Amen. I'm, I'm trying to hone in on a few things right now. I'm trying to get you to realize it's the atmosphere where the Holy Ghost lives and moves in our beings. Brother, you're going that the wrong way. He said, when she starts like that, you just say, all right, dear. Bless your heart, honey, and be real kind to her. And just see how much you can do for her. <laughs> Amen. He said, Brother Bradham, how will I get that devil out of her? He said, just keep, do what I say and keep praying in your heart and God will take care of the rest of it. And he called me three weeks later and he said, my home is revolutionized. My wife's a different person. And he said, which is the most powerful, screaming and kicking and stomping or putting your arms around in love? God is love. So sometimes the devils come out, yeah, just like you've seen demonstrated where we pray and we see them manifested, rebuke the thing and make it go. But a lot of devils are cast out just by creating a right atmosphere that the devil can't stay around and brings some conviction, brings a peace down in the home. Now, what I want to ask you, have you created a family altar? Is there an atmosphere? Those who partake of Christ, the bread of life, must do it without sin, without leaven. It required unleavened loaves, which was symbolic of a new life, as cleansed from the leaven of a sinful nature. Brother Brandon would say in just one more time, Lord, And he's calling for repentance, and he starts this at his own church where he preaches this sermon, and he said, you fathers, you mothers, are you ready to establish an altar at your home? Now, we're talking about being in Passover. We're not talking about a one-time event. Oh, hallelujah, the Holy Ghost came up on me, and I spoke in tongues an hour. I rolled on the floor. I run down the aisle. I, I had a chill go. No, we're talking about not just an initial experience. We're talking about being in Passover. Well, you're in communion with God. It's the Lord's feast. Are you ready to establish an altar in your home? Take that television out. Are you ready to take that de- deck of cards off the table? Them comic books that your children's reading. They're not comic books anymore. They're on one of these things. preparing their little mind for a blast the devil's going to give them. We've seen some of them blasts the devil gives some of these kids. They go in and shoot up a whole school because they fed on the wrong things. 
Amen. He said, are you ready to establish your old family altar? Or do you just want to continue on the way you are? You want to continue on? You're not in condition of coming yet. But I'm praying you're like Samson. You see the price and you're ready. Say, let me die with him. He knew if God answered his prayer what it was going to cost. And many people, I've seen them write since I, I've been here, come to the altar and the Holy Spirit come to them and they didn't want to die. They want to stay alive in the world and you can't serve two gods at the same time. Are you ready to forsake everything to serve God? Listen at him, cry, Lord, holy this once more. Think of that. They don't want to die. They want to stay alive to the world. Now, you see, you know, again, we, we got to realize it's going to require more sincerity than ever before. And for us, quit making excuses for why we got leaven in our homes. I'll tell you again, you'll, you know, the devil will get after your loved one, and you won't have the power. And this is really important. We want the death angels to stay away. We want to quit. Listen, we want to get our mind stayed on God. On God. The Bible said, great have peace have they that love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. It speaks about those whose mind is stayed on thee, that they have peace. You got to keep your mind on the right things. Now, Brother Brandon was asked a question by a woman in, in question and answer 64, said, Brother Branham, I had this dream, and my family was, well, I, I dreamed I was lost in white sand, and it was getting dark, and I couldn't find my way, and it stayed with me since last fall, and I was groping in darkness, and my son and his wife was included in the dream. They were in darkness. We're desperate. We're in desperation, and he said, if we're wrong or sin in places, tell us we want to be right. And he said, I don't know the lady, but I feel if you're here, lady, here's your trouble. You have let something happen to you that's made you nervous. Because being in white sands represents purity and righteousness. And you're just letting Satan put one over you. Your dream proved there's nothing wrong. You're only nervous, and by doing this and thinking this, you're making the rest of your family nervous. Stop doing it. How in the world do I stop being nervous? Get your mind on him. Amen. Realize there's more for us than there is against us. Realize greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Quit being nervous. Start believing. You're only being nervous. Stop doing it. Claim your God-given rights. No, 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 just, just stop. No, claim. Now just stop. Claim your God-given rights. Your dream proves by the interpretation you're in white sand. Everything's all right. Now listen, she gets a dream from God and turns it into a disaster. 
She gets a word from the Lord showing that they're in righteousness and white sands, and she turns it into something evil because of a nervous spirit, because she didn't claim her promises because she looked at it negatively instead of positively and stopped doing it. Everything's all right. It's you yourself, nervous. And you let one member of the family get nervous, it goes to the next member and the next member. And the first thing you know, you're all fussing and going on. And one member of the family gets upset about another. It upsets the other and the other and the other. And the first thing you know, the whole family is upset. It's Satan. Then if one member of the family rejoices, let the rest of them rejoice with it. So every family, every one of the family try to do that. Amen. Instead of looking at things negatively in the dark, oh, I'm scared I'm going to be left behind. I can't be left behind. God sent a message of preparation for me so I wouldn't be left behind. Amen. It's going to be impossible for that to happen. I'm a child of God. It's my promise. It's my word. This is my message. And I received it and I embrace it for myself and for my family. And I'm stopping this nonsense. Try each one of you children to help your papa and mama. That's almost a shame to have to say that. But anyway, still, children, try to help your papa and mama. You say, well, Brother Tim, I I don't know how I can do that. Well, I'll tell you what. There was a 10-year-old girl back yonder. Her name is Rachel Shaw, and Rachel Williams got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and began to pray for her mom and dad to get it. So let me tell you something. A young child can get the Holy Ghost and change the dynamics of a whole family. Even the Bible said, a little child shall lead them. Don't forget, this church was led by a little child, a 15-year-old boy preacher. And God can use you 15-year-old boys and girls to set a right kind of atmosphere and a Holy Ghost moving in life and, and always pointing back to the promise of God. Oh, Yeah. Papa, you try to help the children. Don't let that gloomy, unbelieving spirit around you. Amen. You're Christians. Did that that ring anything to you? You're Christians. I'm quoting your prophet. You're Christians. How many will agree with that? I'm a Christian. Well, then I'm not letting a gloomy, unbelieving spirit stay around me. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. You have God-given rights. You're the salt of the earth. You're born of the Spirit of God. Amen. The Bible said, if there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. Don't think about the wrong thing. And sister... I think that's your trouble, sister dear. And sister dear here tonight, I think that's your trouble. And brother dear, quit thinking negative thoughts. Start saying, the promise is mine. The Holy Ghost is mine. He promised it for me. He promised it for my children. I don't care what I'm seeing. I'm claiming the promise. 
Brother Branham said, don't fuss. The thing you'll do when this takes place, the thing you'll do, you'll find out the spirit that comes in you from the new birth. You will believe and do everything that God said in his word is for you to do. And everything the Bible quotes for you to do, you'll punctuate it with an amen. And you'll not stop day and night until you receive it. That's right. That's right. And in this time, you'll certainly above everything bear the fruit of the Spirit. You say, well, I speak in tongues. You With tongues, you might do that. You might not. Well, I shout. You might do that. You might not. But there's one thing you will do. You will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long of faith, long-suffering, meekness, gentleness, patience. Your temper will not be, ooh. Just remember, when you got that, that poisons the Holy Spirit away from you. And the last thing you want to do is poison your lamb at this table. Amen. When you get to the place that you want to fuss with everybody, you come along with, there's something wrong. When you get to a place, a minister reads something from the Bible that it's wrong to do a certain thing, and you'll just, I can just imagine Brother Branham blowing up, you know, like a, like a as he would describe it, like a toad-eating buckshot. He said, just remember, there's no Christianity there at all. That's, that's now that by their fruits you will know them. That's what Jesus said. Amen. You know what? You ought to love it when the preacher gets on your hide. Amen. Because, you know, you don't want to stay there in sin and unbelief. Amen. The rod of correction means you're a son. You say, Brother Brad, Brother Tim was preaching at me. I hope you realize I'm preaching at you. I really mean for you to get it. I'm not preaching to Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. I'm preaching to you. Amen. Whoever will hear this, I'm preaching to you. Amen. Hear it. Brother Branham said, you hear a minister read from the Bible, it's wrong to do a certain thing, and you blow up. Remember, there's no Christianity there at all. If it's the Word, God said so, that spirit in you will cope with that Word every time. Well, he, he just didn't say it in the right spirit. He knew I was doing that. Well, Paul said, I, I've heard, so therefore I judged already. This is what Paul said. I heard, so I judged already. You see, you know, uh, again, you know, uh, yeah, I, I'm not a visiting preacher. I know how you live. I know what you're doing. I know some of the junk you put on Facebook and some of the pictures that shouldn't ever been there. I know the stuff you like. Like, like, how can you like some of this junk out there? How can you agree with that? Hmm. Amen. Oh, yeah. And he said, you'll find yourself in love with your enemy. Oh, my. You know what? Listen, folks, I don't know of anybody I want to see lost. I want everybody saved. They're in my heart. Somebody said, well, he's nothing but a holy roller, and you, get, you, get, you start getting angry. He said, be careful, be careful. But when you find yourself that you love him, regardless of what they do, you still love him. And then you find your patience gets from about that long till it has no end. And anybody just starts to keep saying things about you, well, I don't... Well, I don't care what you say. Don't get stirred up now. If, if you get stirred up, you better go pray first before you talk to them. Don't get in fusses. 
don't like to get in fusses. If you like to see somebody raise up in the church and say, you know what, I'll tell you so-and-so did so-and-so, now shame on you, brother. That's what you say. So is that so? Listen to that scandal. Watch out. The Holy Spirit's not a cesspool. No, 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 no. The, whole, the heart that's occupied, the Holy Spirit, is full of holiness, purity, thinketh no evil, doeth no evil, believeth all things, endureth long-suffering. Don't fuss. When the family gets in the fuss, don't fuss with them. Your mother said, I ain't going to have you go up to that old church anymore. Well, all you think about now is since you're letting your hair grow out, you look like some grandma. Don't fuss with her. Okay, mother. It's all right. I love you just the same. I'll be praying for you as long as I live. Now, don't fuss. Temper breeds temper. First thing you know, you grieve the Holy Spirit away from you, and you'll be fussing back. Then the Holy Spirit takes his flight. Temper breeds temper. And love breeds love. Be full of love. Jesus said, this will all men know that you're my disciples. When you have love for another, that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you know you're a little creator yourself. Amen. You know you're a creator. You can create an atmosphere. The people just want to be around you. They love you. That woman, that man, that child, that, that young person, there's just something godly and holy and, and righteous about them. I just love being around that person. They're always full of faith and always got a good word. Don't you want to be that kind of person? Amen. That's the way it should be. Amen. You've seen others. He said you shun them. All they want to talk about is something evil. Talk about somebody. They're going to criticize somebody. Here he's in now. He's going to talk about this man. All he's going to do is tell dirty jokes or something about women or something like that. You just hate to be around them. They create, seem like pretty nice people, but they create that atmosphere. And the things you think on and the things you do and the actions, the things you talk about creates an atmosphere. Brother Branham talks about going in a man's office and seeing the pinups on his wall and the music that he listens to and you know, the friends that he associates with. And he said, you let me see what you look at and what you read and the kind of music you listen to and the crowd you associate with, and I'll tell you what kind of spirit's in you. You see, all of that identifies what really is in there. Are you with me? Amen. So, so, again, so again, as Brother Bradham said, don't fuss with others. Don't have these family fusses. Remember what I said Love breeds love, and temper breeds temper. Amen. Now, we know the death angels in the land. And I know I preached two hours this morning. You don't want another two hours tonight. Now, I'm thinking bad thoughts about you. You love me? Amen. So, we know the death angels in the land. But we must be about the Passover feasting with the Lord. Now listen to me. Not feeding your fear with conspiracy theories. Not even in the news seeing how bad the death angel is affecting politics and the nation or the world, but feeding on the Word. Not Facebook. Come on, not Facebook. Face this book. Amen. Not Twitter, not Instagram, but feeding on the Word. Amen. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, you mean I, I can't have a Facebook account? Not if, it's, not if it's killing all your time. Not if that's all you can think about. Not if you got more screen time than you got Bible time. We got to be desperate. So while we can't be desperate unless God speaks to us, well, God spoke to us. Amen. Even the other day when the Bible opened right to that place, that was God speaking to you. You got to be more sincere. Listen, the death angel's coming, the killer's in the land. He's killing our kids. He's killing our marriage, young married men, young married women. I get calls. I get calls from around the world. I get calls from, from broken homes and broken, broken down parents and broken down wives and broken, broken husbands. Because they're letting the death angel in. Feeding on the wrong things. We're having seminars in the message because we don't want the Holy Ghost that would fix it. So we'll have a seminar because our kids are in homosexual acts and perverted acts and fornication and all of this, and, you know, and the Holy Ghost won't fix it, they say. Well, intellectual conception type Holy Ghost ain't going to fix nothing. And a good speech on it ain't going to fix nothing. There's only one thing that'll fix it, and that's a new birth. And it'll boil sin out of your life and make you a new creature in Christ. Amen. But, but friends, we shouldn't be scared. Not if we're following the instructions of the Word. We God sent a prophet and a message to prepare us for the exodus. And we're not going to be struck down by the death angel. We're leaving here. The rapture is escape. We're going to escape the things that's coming on the earth. Amen. We're not staying here. Amen. All right, he told us to apply the blood. He had thus saith the Lord. I believe we've had a message that's thus saith the Lord. Have you followed the instructions? Have you created an atmosphere? Are you living daily, eating daily on the lamb? Is there the fire of the Holy Ghost there warming it to the right temperature? You might be real. You know, now listen, you know, I, I heard of a story a long time ago you know, about uh, this, um, um, this murder story. It was, I don't know, I guess supposed to be a, um, uh, just a little story. I don't remember where I picked it up. But anyway, they, you know, they, there was a, a woman, you know, uh, she, she'd always heard, if you can't find a weapon, you can't, con- you can't bring a conviction. So she took, the, she took the leg of a lamb out of the freezer when her husband came home, she slaughtered him with it. And then she cooked it and they ate the lamb. So the murder weapon was a frozen lamb leg. Now you can take this message and murder your family with it because it's frozen and never been heated by the fire of God and cooked until all the rawness is out of it and got the right temperature to serve. I've often said I love a good cold drink of water, but I don't care for it, though, in my face. 
And a lot of times it ain't what we got, it's how we're presenting it. Say, well, Brother Tim, you can work on your presentation. You start praying, I'll start working. But the Paschal Lamb was not to be looked upon only, it was to be fed upon. We must train, we must by faith make Christ our own. We must receive spiritual strength and nourishment from him as from our food is to be eaten. Listen, it was to be eaten with bitter herbs. Brother Brandon would talk about this. Take it without water, not sodden, just raw, roasted with, with uh, bitter herbs. Sometimes it's kind of hard. Maybe have to break up a few things, but don't worry. It's all right. Eat it anyhow. You're getting ready for the journey. Now, to go in this exodus, a divine consecration was needed. Just like our rapture exodus requires the same or even more consecration. I want you to remember, Brother Branham, I quoted to you last week. He said, I believe the church will be in the same condition when they leave here as the saints are on that, in that other dimension. The same perfect love will be in the church. The same Holy Ghost will be in the church. That's there. We've got to have it here to go there. Now, so they're leaving Egypt and it's slavery and it's bondage required such a cleansing and a consecration. There had to be an inward separation from everything Egyptian or everything from that heathen nation. And the same is true. To us as believers, there has to be a consecration, a separation from the world. And we'll just try to bring it down in the next 20 minutes, so bear with me. Brother Brandon said, when the church shall be completely delivered, that's when the church will be completely delivered, when everything comes underneath the blood. When your sins come under the blood, when you're smoking, when you're gambling, when you're cheating, when you're stealing, when you're lying, when everything is brought under the blood, then there will be a total deliverance. If you've wronged somebody, make it right. You can't bring that under the blood. It won't stay. If you can't bring it, something won't let you do it. But when you, you yourself is completely, totally brought under the blood, there will be a deliverance, and you'll have a freedom like you've never known when everything's brought under the blood, brought submissive to the kingdom of God. Now, so you see, it's got to be under the blood. The whole lamb has to be ate, not a part. And it must be nothing left of it. Eat it all. And remember, it's going to take a fire to do that. And we can't get warm by a painted fire. It's got to be real. Christ the Lamb, the Word, is to be consumed by being cooked with fire. You can't eat it raw. It must be touched by the, by the flame of God. And Brother Branham said people are trying to eat the Word of God and they take it like it was raw, chew on it and spit on it and everything else. Oh, I just can't take it. I just can't stand it. He said it isn't cooked done enough. That's all. He said cook it with fire. Fire represents the Holy Ghost. Get God in your heart first and it'll cook for you. Amen. Amen. Cook it out. Done. Seasoned. Then it tastes as good. Now, you can't just stand off on the outside and say, oh, I don't know whether it's for me or not. That might be for the days gone by. Just get the Holy Ghost and watch what divine healing means to you then. 
Look what heartfelt religion means to you then when you've got the Holy Ghost here to cook the lamb as it comes. Cook the lamb first. And you have to have fire to cook, cook it with. It should be roasted. And not just boiled. Amen. But serve, and it served the lamb or the word sodden with water. And that way, you know, it soaks up all the flavors that you want to add. You know, that's, what, that's the way lamb is being served in a lot of the, lot of the churches today. It's boiled. Amen. They, yeah, they're serving parts of the Bible. But it's saturated with creeds and dogmas of man and flavors of the time. You know, so we, we, we have a new dish today. You know, everybody's going to make it to heaven, glory to God. The homosexual, the pervert, the, the adulterer, everything's going to make it. Just live any way you want to live. You see, they're boiling the lamb and taking the word of God and adding flavors to it when it's not to be eaten that way. That won't keep the death angel away. Amen. It's got to be ate right. It's got to be cooked right. It's got to be well seared with that fire. The Holy Ghost get all over that word and make it alive. It's not to be separated. It was not to be broken up. It was to be consumed whole. Then there was to be nothing of Christ the Lamb left. It was to be all eaten. Amen. The instructions was to how to how, was how to roast the lamb. You know what they would do? They would they would skin it from head to tail, every bit of it, hoof, everything was cooked on that fire. The pertinence thereof. They run a rod right down the spine of that, all the way to the end. Then they would open up. Then they would open up the the inwards like this, the rib cage. They would open it up to expose it to the flame and run a skewer right through that. And it formed a perfect cross. You see, it is the slain lamb of Calvary that must be served. And every person must go to Calvary. And they must have that cross experience. And their lamb must be one that is sacrificed in their place. And received and eaten thereof. Don't cut him in three pieces or don't cut him in two pieces. Serve him whole. Not three parts. This is Father, this is Son, this is Holy Ghost. One Lamb, one God. Not two pieces of Father and the Son. We got two Lords, one God. The legs, the feet, the inwards all put together on the fire. Amen. This is not commonly roasted. You know, we don't normally roast it like this. But in this Passover, it signifies we must have either nothing of Christ or the whole Christ. And all his benefits and his spirit to sanctify and rule us as well as his blood to save us. It had to be done undivided. The integrity of the lamb had to be kept together. The whole word, not apart. Could not, the, again, the same thing with, with, the, with the leaven. Christ is not to be received in a lukewarm manner with indifference. Must be nothing added or mixed or joined to him. And the life, here's what's important. The life of what you're eating must be displayed on your door. The blood on the doorpost was only a sign of what was being eaten in the house. 
the body word of the Son of Man. This was not feeding on Moses or personality cult. This was feeding on the body word of the Son of Man, Christ. This is what has got to be fed. Oh, my. You know, when people start following personality cult and make a personality cult out of Brother Branham, how could this be? How could visions happen to anyone but the prophet? I don't want to hear no testimonies of visions and things that are happening. You know, we we don't want that in our church. Let me tell you, friends, it's because you're just a personality cult follower. But when you have the whole lamb, there's visions, there's miracles, there's healing, there's deliverance, there's overcoming life. Are you with me now? Amen. Oh, my, you've got to eat the, the body of the dead sacrifice, and that's Christ. You eat it. Eat it not with, not with, uh, not with you know, they've got to eat it with pure loaves, not fermented loaves, not leaven, which sets in the dough with fermentation that produces impurity. Naturally, it's a symbol of, of corruption, and it must be excluded from the sacrifices because it's defiling. Now, listen, we have food that is needed for the, for the journey. The rapture journey requires the nutrition from the lamb and the unleavened bread. I want, to hear, want you to hear this from, from um, uh, spiritual food in due, due season. Dear God, food in due season, spiritual food, something the world knows nothing of. Here stood Jesus telling the disciples, Master, why don't you eat? said, I have food that you don't know of. Truly, Lord, his food was to do the will of God, to see the works of God made manifest in his hour. He was there to see it was done. I do nothing except my Father shows me first. And so is it, Father, to do, so is today. The church, the true believers, the body believers has access to food, spiritual food that the nominals know nothing about. The world knows nothing of this food, Father. But your church, your people, the bride of your son loves it. We have access to healing of our bodies when the doctors have failed. We have access to this. It's one of the foods of God that he gave to the church and he promised it in the last days to his believing children. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you a believing child of God? Oh, my. Then that's where we want. We want that very thing. Listen, the sealing angel is going forth, and we must have it. We must have the token life. Must be a sign and a crying for the abominations being done. Now, turn with me. We're coming down to the communion part. John 6, 53. Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Think about what he's saying. For he says, my flesh is meat indeed. My blood, this is verse 55, my flesh is meat indeed. My blood is drink indeed. In other words, my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Now Jesus comes down and he says, I am the Passover lamb. And you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. You don't have any life. 
The death angel is going to get you. Sin question will never be settled. There's verse 56. He that eateth my flesh, drinketh my blood, dwelleth in me, and I in him. As a living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. So he's saying, just as a living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. You must feed on me. Or else, the death angel will never pass. Sin will overtake you. Remember, it's at this very communion that the devil enters into Judas. It's at this very time that some are about ready to receive the seal of God and one of them receives the marking of the beast. Now, Jesus also contrasted himself to the manna that comes down from heaven. He said, I am that manna. He said, if you eat on me, he said, you'll never die. Your fathers ate that manna and they died. But he said, if you eat of me, you'll never die because I'm that manna. I'm that bread that come down from heaven. Amen. So like manna, Jesus came from heaven. Like manna, Jesus gives life. Unlike manna, the life that Jesus gives lasts for eternity. But listen, upon hearing these words, verse 60, many of Jesus' followers said, this is a hard teaching. And who can hear him? And many of them actually stopped following him when they found out they had to eat the lamb. This is a very separation place. Now, the majority of his followers today, those called Christians, will not follow him into the actual true communion and Passover. They will never ever come into that fellowship with Christ. Only I'll walk down the altar and have that little, we'll, we'll put the blood on, we, you know, I, I profess Jesus as my Savior. But they won't come into that communion. And they won't separate from sin. And they won't eat the lamb, the whole lamb. I'll eat something that's doctored up by Trinitarians. Come on, somebody. Doctored up by creeds of man. But they won't eat the whole lamb cooked without flavoring just like he said it they'll eat it we can read between the lines and say something the prophet didn't say but they won't eat it and receive it just the way the prophet said it one reason it out i can have my television in christ too you can't i can watch my movies and have christ too you can't you, you may have, you say, but I got the word, brother. I've got, the, I've got all the tapes, and I listen to tapes, too. I don't care how much you're doing that, too. You can't have the world and Christ both. Unleavened bread lets, I mean, leavened bread lets the death angel in. And he gets in your kids. Brother Brandon told you so. 
He said, they'll watch these movies, these boys kissing girls and men and women, these love stories, and he's dead. The next thing you know it, they're doing it there, out there and living in fornication. And it all looks common and nice and whatever, because why? You let it in. John 6, 21, or 6, 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, and I can hear Someone will murmur at you. Yeah, it's just Brother Tim's idea. Yeah, that's just Brother Brandon's idea. <laughs> this is not a murmuring time. We've seen the we've seen the we've seen the devil defiant. Look us right in the face, say, I will not come out. I won't come out. And they wouldn't have come out if it wouldn't have been for the power of his blood. Does this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It's the spirit that quickeneth and the flesh profiteth nothing. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now watch what he's saying. When Jesus knew in himself that the disciples murmured, he said, does this offend you? And then he says, the spirit, the, the flesh profiteth nothing. It's not, I'm not talking about, he said, I'm not talking about getting a bite of this human. This is Jesus saying, he's trying to get them to understand, you know, they were wanting to go carnal on him. Right. I, you know, we're not cannibals, we're, we're not that. We can't eat your flesh. And he says, look, I'm not talking about eating my flesh. It's my spirit that gives life. Eating my actual flesh is not what I'm talking about. That would profit you nothing. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. And that's what you must eat because they are spirit and life. So what's life is my word. And this is what, this is what that you must eat is my word. You must come in a communion with me. I must become your lamb and die in your place. And you accept my blood and take my life, my spirit into you. And you must take my flesh because I'm the word. And you must eat this word. Otherwise, if you don't eat the word and take of my spirit, you'll have no life in you. The death angel gets you. But what I want to do is bring you in Passover, bring you in communion. Oh, Brother Branham said in the message communion, 62, our bodies need food and drink each day to survive our physical body. If we don't take food each day, and drink, then our body weakens. There's something in us that we must have food. One day's food will not last for the next day. You must have the food for each day to strengthen your mortal being. You can't live over, but you're, you can live over, but you're weaker. And the next day, you're still weaker. And the third day, you're getting tremendous weak. Well, that's many times what we do in the spiritual realm. You see, each day we got to commune with Christ. 
We got to talk to him each day. We got to settle it with him each day. Paul said, I die each day. Each day I die, yet I live. Not, not me, but Christ lives in me. So your physical body needs food each day and drink to survive. Your spiritual body needs spiritual food and communion with the Lord each day to survive. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So each day we got to study the Bible. Some people don't study it at all. Some people picks it up two or three times a year. But a real, real believer that's spiritually built up, he reads his Bible every day and talks to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, that's what's wrong with you. You say, Brother Tim, I, I had an initial experience. But look what you're feeding on. Look at the lack in your diet. Look at the weakness that's coming because you ain't ate the lamb. Look where your faith is falling short and, and ain't able to reach out and get the problem. You're not eating the lamb. You're not drinking of the spirit. And then entombment. Again, he said Jesus invested with all the powers of God. When he met Satan, he never used any of his powers. He only referred to the word. He said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And how can you say you can stay home and just be just a Christian as you would at church? You can't do it. Read the word. The Holy Spirit feeds on the word. The Bible is God's spiritual diet for his church. And the Holy Spirit is the one that brings it to you and places it in the heart with thanksgiving. You water it, and every divine promise will produce exactly what God said it would do. We don't have time for the Word. We got time for everything else. Even your phone is now telling you about your screen time and how much you spent on it. I wonder how much Bible time have you had? How much prayer time have you had? I'm not scolding. I'm not fussing. I'm trying to tell you how to keep the death angel away. Amen. I'm not, I, I'm not on a rat, and I'm not, not on a rage, and this, this, this is not that. I'm trying to tell you there is more to it than the initial experience of the Holy Ghost. It's bringing you into a fellowship with Christ. And it's not one thing. Keeping the death angel away was not just killing the lamb. It's taking the blood. Not just taking the blood, applying the blood. Not just applying the blood, building a fire. Not just building a fire, putting the lamb on. Not just having the lamb smoking there and roasting pretty, smelling good, and all oh, the aroma, but now eating that lamb. It's more than one thing. And we want to make it one and done. And God says, you are in Passover until you get the call out of here. Until you leave in the rapture, you are in Passover. Oh, we just, we're going to take the bread and the wine. That's only symbolic of what you're supposed to be doing. Can't pray no more. People aren't praying. People ain't calling on God. People aren't agonizing with God to fulfill his word. Oh, my. 
You know, Brother Branham said, they don't sit down and read the, read the Holy Spirit. It feeds on the Word of God. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So when you get saved, the best thing you can do is sit down with your Bible and constantly read. That builds you. You see what God did. It's not like reading a novel. You're reading so you can hang your soul on every punctuation in it. That's right. Because it's the Word of God. And anything that every time God says anything, you know how I punctuate it with an amen. And that ain't just saying amen. That means I agree with it it's right and I want it in my life that's what an amen is amen you'll only be as strong as the word is in you let's stand together I do want the musicians come just for a few minutes we'll have you take communion first because we'll need you to come back in here how can I become more spiritual? How many would be like, like to be more spiritual? You really would? You'd like a closer walk? We sang that this morning. I want a closer walk with God. How do I do it? Well, I'll come down and have you pray for me. You don't need me to pray for you to get a closer walk. You need to pray. You need to talk it over with him. Whatever's hindering your life. How to get it? More spiritual. Read your Bible. Pray every day. The Bible said, pray without ceasing. Play the song, He Was Wounded for My Transgressions. You go to singing hymns, closing on this quote. You start reading the Bible, and that stranger will appear to you. Meditate on his word. It was while those who went to Emmaus along the road began to talk about him that he stepped out of the bushes and began to walk with them. The reason we don't have the spiritual blessings, we have too much time to watch television, too much time to read the newspaper or listen to something we ought not to be listening to. And we're not redeeming the time. But we're giving it to the things of the world instead of our time to the Lord Jesus. Every family must be applying the blood. That's why I showed you that little booklet a while ago. Just hold it up, Brother John. And once you get one, I've got them at the library. One for the family. You can read it together. Every family applying the blood can't get so busy with the affairs of life we don't have time to be husbands and fathers and priests of the home to apply the blood if the fathers would take the word that they hear at church and apply it to their home things would be a lot different in the church we can have a more spiritual church and I believe we got a spiritual church but I believe we can be more consecrated how many believes Brother Branham was sincere? How many believes he was a consecrated man of God? But God said, to bind this one, you've got to be more sincere. That puts every one of us at that place tonight. If a prophet of God would be told to bind this one, you've got to be more sincere. You've got to come to the Passover 
come to that feast. Come to that consecrated life. And I'm just asking you in your own life, Lord, will you just draw me nearer tonight? I know there's some leaven in my life. I've let some things in, shouldn't be there. I want them gone out of my life. I want them where there's only, only unleavened bread, the whole lamb. I'm going to take it all, Lord. Oh, yeah, I know. I've been spitting out a long time what he said about television and movies and all these other things. I just spit it out and make excuses, but I'm going to eat the whole lamb now. I'm going to quit reading all of these other things and spend my time on worthless stuff and seek with things that are eternal. You want the Holy Ghost? You make that number one priority in your life and you'll get it. The Bible said when you seek God with your whole heart, that's the day you'll find him. Amen. Get to the place you can hear the voice of God. Get to the place where it's not a foreign thing to hear. God spoke to me. God's real to me. God dealt with my heart the other day. Oh, I was in the night. and There's been a prayer. I've prayed for years when I go to bed at night. God, don't let my conscience be so far away from me that I can't hear your voice. That you can't stir my, my inner being during the night. Let your angel come and wake me during the night. Let him speak to me. Let him speak to me in my dreams. Let me be open to hear your voice. If any man hear my voice, I'll open the door. I'll come in and I'll sup with him. Will you open the door for him? Amen. Oh, we can't have the prayer meeting tonight. No, we're too busy. We got soccer for the kids and softball and all that stuff has its place. We're even doing some things here for you young people. We love you. We realize they're, they're, everything has its place. But put him first. Make him number one. Make him number one. Don't just listen to the voice of pleasure. Listen to the voice of God. Hear his voice. One more thing. Brother Branham said, said, we find a place here in the Scripture where the Son of God spent so much time in prayer. If Jesus had to spend much time in prayer to stay in fellowship with the Spirit that was in him, how much more do you and I have to spend in prayer? Much time in prayer. If you only knew what time in prayer meant. Sometimes when you're in prayer, God changes the whole destination of different things that's going to happen. You believe that? Something might be something fixing to happen, and your prayer could change the whole situation. Let me tell you a story. Brother Branham, one time was approached. He's in Jonesboro, Arkansas. A man, I think he was over in, in Memphis. He was dying. He was dying. Brother Branham was asked to come pray for him. He saw a vision. He said, the man's going to die. I'm not, I can't go. God forbids me to go because the man's going to die. And the people started praying. 
and he prevailed on God. And Brother Branham got a call from the, from the, from the woman, the, the wife of the man, and said, aren't you going to come? He said, no, I'm not going to come. Just go bury your husband because he's going to die. She just kind of dropped the phone, you know, went sobbing. It was her last hope. He went back and went through the whole next day and next day, people praying, calling on God. He got another call. Aren't you going to come, Brother Branham? Said, no. He said, wait a minute. Said, is your husband, is he a tall man, got, got a, a, a brown suit? Said, does he dress like this sometime? And described him. Said, I just saw him in a, in a vision again. God has heard your prayer, and he's going to live and not die. Because prayer intervened on what was going to happen. Amen. But God turned around on the whole situation because the prayer pulled God in that direction. Don't you want to pull God to your need? Amen. How many wants to say, I'm going to quit being nervous from day, this day on? Well, I'll tell you what, while you got your hand on, I rebuke that nervous spirit that it troubled you no more in the name of Jesus Christ. Now you go claiming the victory. Hallelujah. You watch the Holy Spirit follow that. I didn't say that of my own. I said that by inspiration. Amen. I mean, start ready to start walking in victory in your life and communion with God. I mean, ready to lay aside every weight and every sin. Be that kind of people we're supposed to be. I believe God's going to do that for you. Amen. Bring you into a deeper depth and a higher height and a love like you've never known and a fellowship like you've never known and an atmosphere around you and in your life instead of poor old me and what's going on and this old bad world we begin to say I love you Jesus you're so wonderful you're great I know and you're my healer my deliverer my savior amen I accept you now in the name of Jesus and your provision that you made at Calvary amen amen he's coming again well he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. Amen. Surely, surely he bore our sorrow. Amen. You know God's a provider. God does wonderful things at communion. You know when they took this Passover, there wasn't a feeble one among them. Brother Branham said that was only a symbolic of, a, of what the real thing is. He said, how many I've seen healed just coming through the communion line. Healed by the glory of God. I believe he's a healer tonight. That's what we're singing about, the healer. Amen. I believe there are people who's going to be healed. 
of every kind of situation. I believe as you come down to this line tonight, complexes are going to drop off. Unbelief is going to leave you. There's going to come strength into your life, coming renewing of the Holy Ghost. There's coming greater joy than what you've ever known. Hallelujah. Why do I speak that? I speak that as an adopted son who knows his position in Christ. And I speak it with authority in his name. You know, it was a communion service just like this. When there was a Church of Christ, brothers, sitting right there, a doubter, come to the meeting. They come down to the communion service in one of Brother Brandon's meetings. This has actually happened. This is a real testimony. The Church of Christ didn't believe in miracles. They got down there and they had communion cups like we have here. And one of the deacons come and whispered in Brother Bradham's ears and says, we're out of wine and we don't have any more and there's not enough. Brother Branham just bowed his head and prayed. And this Church of Christ brother sitting right there watched those communion cups fill up all the way up. And they had enough wine for the communion. Hey Amen. Can you believe something like that? If you can believe that, you can believe God will change your body one day. You'll bring the dead in Christ forth because he's a God of miracles. It's time that we let our faith be anointed to receive God's promise. Amen. Jesus would take the symbolic taking of the bread and wine was just to serve as a time of remembrance that we are in communion, in Passover. Passover must never stop. How many tonight coming through this line, you say, from this day on, Passover will never stop. I will from now on be in Passover, in communion, in fellowship. Jesus would take it, this bread, dip it into the wine, take it. This is my body. I'm the lamb. You must eat the lamb's substance. I am the word. Take it, eat it. It's my flesh that I give my life for the world. Take the cup and even say, drink you all of it. It's my blood. It must be applied. It must be taken inside of you. My life must come into you or the death angel of sin will never pass over you and you'll remain in sin slavery. But tonight I say, this is your freedom. We will not serve sin from this day on this is the end of sin I'm walking with Jesus applying the blood staying under the blood eating the lamb as we get closer to each other we get closer to God Paul would say it 
I've received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he break it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me after the same manner he also took the cup when he had supped saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you do show the Lord's death till he come wherefore whosoever of you he shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink that cup he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body for this cause many are sick weak and sickly among you and many sleep but we judge ourselves we which should not be judged when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. So then if you're in Passover and you become a servant to others, Jesus took a basin and a towel, humbled himself, the Lord of heaven, and became a servant to man. And he said, because of that, I want you to do the same. I want you to become servants to one another. I don't want you with a haughty attitude to be served, but you're here to serve, to give your all, to love Jesus and his people. Let's pray together. Father, today I take this bread, unleavened, bread that I've cut up with my own hands, Lord, bread that has been prepared without a rising in it, representing no sin. The fruit of the vine with the life was squeezed out of the fruit. And there, there, pregnated with the life. And that wine there that will never grow old just gets better with age. Lord, as we take of this tonight, may we remember who we are. We're Christians. We're believers. We ask it in Jesus' name for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Now, those of you that's not familiar with what we do, after you come, the deacons will bring them, be bringing row by row. We'll be taking the musicians first. And any song leader that will be leading singing after the service will come through first. One of the first ones, we'll have two lines. It'll be coming from one side and the other to the Lord's table. You'll go right out to the door. The ladies are over here set up with the, the foot washing pans. The men are over here on this other side. You just take a, a basin and wash another's feet. And remember, you don't have to wash every brother's feet. Just, just wash one another's feet. Just to Remember. To remind yourself why I'm here. I'm here to take a load off of somebody, to wash the dirt off of somebody's feet, to love my brother, to realize I need you. I need you. I need somebody to wash my feet. You need somebody to wash yours. We need each other. Amen. So, Father, bless this bread and wine now. In the name of Jesus Christ, as we dedicate it to you, Father. In 
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you'll turn some music on back there, the musicians.